cut on that. Buddy! Yes. If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't nowadays? But it, only the true fans, the real hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning would know two facts about the both of us, two undeniable and really real and not at all made up on the spot facts about uh, you and I, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, the first fact, which is about you, is the fact that when you're not doing the podcast, you're a top writer of erotic fan fiction. So tell us, Bunny, what were the last few erotic fan fictions that you've written? Okay, so the 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 most recent one, which I'm hanging up a little bit on copyright infringement and things like that, but come on. It's 41 Erotic Nights with Gumby. You nice. Know, uh, Gumby gets into serious <laughs> tales. Um, there is... The Erotic Adventures of Astro Boy. Nice. Uh, you Astro gotta have a niche these days. You really do. You do. Make in the field of erotica or science fiction. And this is where, you know, this is where, like, a Chuck Tingle comes in with dinosaur porn. And he's done very well in the dinosaur porn niche. Yes. A niche he has completely created all by himself. You know, so trying to get yeah. out there, I am I am I am trying to base all of my erotic fiction around like forgotten pop culture. You know? Uh yeah. We grew up with this stuff. We want to find out what happens to our favorite characters in in their adult years. So, you know, uh, Gigantor has, you know, Gigantor, which was on the New York Times bestseller list, erotic section, which they don't publish, for 10 weeks, okay? Gigantor yeah. gets an upgrade. Mhm. Uh huh. There's a, there's a need. There is a need. Yeah. You there know? is, and that's where people come to me for their erotica. If they want to know what really happened with Underdog and Sweet Polly Purebred, go into my back catalog. Okay, I don't think there's a full novel about it, but but it is a short fiction piece someplace you know you know uh you inspired me so i'm i've been on bing this whole time i don't see any davy and goliath porn yeah i i try to keep away from the christian material because it just gets you know when you turn over the rock of christianity there's some creepy ass shit going on there you know agreed I'm just surprised that there's nothing. It's just kind of surprising. But like, like I, 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 anyway, I don't, I don't feel that that like Davy and Goliath would be like proper material to present. You know? Yeah. Um. I I don't want to give out some of those messages, man. They they get 
They just hey, they everyone just really everyone has their limits. Huh? Yeah. Everyone yeah. has their limits. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So And the second thing and the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do here is I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that you don't know that well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation. <laughs> Or shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name shap. It's short, but it's powerful, like a Karen's haircut or Anthony Scaramucci's political career. Anywho, today on the old shapity shap shap, we have a short but strong look at a very famous author and the book that they don't want you to read. Uh, now look, unpopular opinion time. If an author is world-renowned as a literary genius, that's when I usually tend to tap out. Uh, I know that by saying this, I may seem like an uneducated, uh, knucklehead McSpazitron, but it's just the truth. I don't care about F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I don't care about Ernest Hemingway. And I definitely, I I, I just don't. I just don't. But I accept their right to exist. I accept their right to exist. You know, and and they are are still important in their own ways. You know, but. Yeah, just not me. I don't vibe with the material. It's the same way that I don't really like Citizen Kane. There's a lot in Citizen Kane I like, but the story ain't it. Yeah. And I definitely do not care about rugged manly man, human bottle of scotch, sadistic womanizer, and strong Vietnam War supporter, Mr. John Steinbeck. Okay. Who we're talking about today, Johnny Steinbeck. He was born in Salinas, California, and giving birth to John Steinbeck was the biggest thing to happen to the town of Salinas since they finally got a Woolworths. Yeah. So he graduated high school, then he went to college, he dropped out of college, and he moved to New York City where he worked odd jobs while trying to write, trying to get published. But New York City was a bust, so we left New York and moved back to California. Now it's the 1930s, the Great Depression. John and his wife move into a house owned by John's dad, who let John and his wife slide on the rent and also supplied him with money and paper so that he could focus on his writing. His first published novel was Cup of Gold in 1929. Didn't really turn a lot of heads. Then in the early 30s, he gets three short works published, but still, he's going nowhere as a writer. No one gives a crap. Then in 1935, he publishes the book Tortilla Flats. It's his first big success. Critics and audiences love it, and it's even turned into a freaking Spencer Tracy movie. So, boom, that is the beginning of the legend 
that was John Steinbeck. But recently, some stuff has come to life about the life of John Steinbeck that is absolutely fascinating. And it changes the early days, what we know about the early days of Jonathan well, but, Steinbeck. But like... Like as soon as as soon as you kind of brought it up, it sort of flipped a switch in my head. And as I go through, like I do not know him in any way except through his works. Yeah. But now that you say it, yeah, there is a there is a kind of a concurrent theme going on there that we just kind of took as Americana. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, hey, look at me. I'm rugged and angry, and I abuse my wife and I drink like scotch and everyone just sort of went, Oh yes, that's very American. Yeah. Hooray. And it's like, okay, but maybe it's not, it doesn't have to be, but okay, whatever. John Steinbeck. Hooray. Newsweek was like, Hey, this Vietnam war thing is happening. We need someone to go over to Vietnam and do some reporting. Oh, maybe we can send John Steinbeck. Let's call him. John Steinbeck, do you want to go to Vietnam? And he's like, ah, sure, whatever. So he goes to Vietnam and he's he's there with the soldiers and he's there in the jungle and he's there in the shit. And he's like, okay, I am ready to write my article. Vietnam! Fucking awesome! America is heroes! And we're doing good work in Vietnam! But, Fuck but, those Vietnamese people! Let's kill them. Vietnam you, is awesome. And it's but like, if you think really? about it, like even even from Mice what? and Men, which is like my favorite Steinbeck, you know, it, like what's the bottom line of that book? Is like if you work re- in the middle of the fucking depression, a depression era book set in the time. Mm-hmm. If you work really, really hard, you will you will make it out of here and you'll be able to have like a farm and rabbits and things like that of your own. Even if you have to kill the retard. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I apologize for using the word, but I felt it. I felt that that's that's the attitude. Like if we had a retitle, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It would so John have Steinbeck. an insensitive title. Hmm? Yeah. And yeah. that's that's okay. really it. That's what it's about. I mean. Yeah. What else was it about? You know, or or it's I read the grapes of I read the grapes of wrath, and I'm like, oh man, finally, a book about grapes. Yeah. <laughs> there should be more grape-related novels. I thought it was going to be about the... I, I read the whole book thinking, finally, a novelization of those California Raisin books that I love so much. <laughs> those commercials. It was going to be about the, the California Raisins. Of course, you shouldn't buy any raisins because there's a raisin mafia. Yes, there is. That's out there. That has a stranglehold of the raisin business. Look it up. We did a whole chap about it. Yes, raisins. Did. Stay away from it's it's insane. So John Steinbeck, before Tortilla Flats, before Cup of Gold, before uh, Grapes of Wrath, before all of that, John Steinbeck is just a wannabe writer. He's desperately hoping to get something, anything published. And apparently this has come to light. 
During the time that, during this time, the early days of like the the late 20s and the early 30s, before he takes off, John Steinbeck wrote three full-length novels that were never published. Books that he had fully written and that he was passing along to different publishers and saying, oh, somebody's got to take these, these are gold. And uh, he wrote them under pseudonyms. Two of the novels were destroyed by Steinbeck. But the third book not only survived, but is currently gathering dust in an archive in Austin, Texas. Wow. This unpublished John Steinbeck novel is called Murder at Full Moon, and it's a goddamn werewolf novel. <laughs> It's about a small town, and ooh, the detective is concerned because these mysterious deaths have been happening in the town, and they all seem to be happening during the full moon. Gee, I wonder who's responsible. It's a werewolf. John Steinbeck wrote a goddamn supernatural fantasy thriller novel under a different name called Murder at Full Moon. A Nobel Prize winner wrote a shitty, pulpy werewolf novel. Now, this shouldn't be surprising because, uh, fun fact, William Shakespeare's first play was called Big Boobed Bimbos Go Bananas. But that was good. Okay, I'm sorry. It was good. It was good. It's, it's the whole old English, you know, that you're yeah. just kind of revisiting. So, you know. Madame Vine. It's, it's just like pinkies up for the classy stuff. You know, yeah. if you want something to sound classy, you say it in Old English. So and let's not forget. You're far superior. Yeah. And let's not forget Mark Twain's first uh, major article was entitled The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County versus Predator. Yes. Which he wrote. Before he was famous. And fun fact, before he wrote Carrie, Stephen King wrote an unpublished horror novel, really scary, called The Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure, which they did eventually turn into a very frightening film. It was actually one of his short stories when he used to have to get his short stories out of porn mags. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, that is literally how I got the raft from, like, I don't know, you know, like, like your second tier porn mags, the really, yeah. the really kind of gross ones. <laughs> it was one it of those. It might have been, he would be in, like, cherry or might have been high society. Or, yeah. yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it was an insert, and it was like all over the cover. And I, I was like, "Okay, I got to get that." I was a huge Stephen King at the fan fan at the time because it's when Stephen King was hot, yeah, and endorsing everything, yeah. And it was an insert, like a little magazine that you pulled out of the center of, of whatever it was, and it was the short story for the raft. Weird. Weird. 
But so, yeah. So uh, John Steinbeck wrote a werewolf novel. But um, sadly, this book, which is currently gathering dust at the University of Texas's Harry Ransom Center, will probably never be published. Because John Steinbeck's literary agents refused to ever have it published on the grounds that Steinbeck himself was embarrassed and never wished for murder at um, murder at the murder at full moon to be published after he became famous. Yeah. So John Steinbeck's like, hey, I need to get something published, anything published. Here, I'll write a stupid werewolf novel. Oh, wait, I'm famous? Oh, well, no one can see this novel I wrote. Don't yeah. anyone look at this. So it's just locked up in it, 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 an unpublished John Steinbeck novel. It's just gathering dust in Austin, Texas, and will probably never be allowed to, to read it. And that's messed up. Yeah. There's been growing call over this past week for people for 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 them to release murder at full moon, but it'll probably never happen. And that's sad. Yeah. You know, it's really sad. That's like learning that. I don't know. Uh, Dante wrote a vampire story. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah, like, oh, really exactly. Uh, maybe we should. But it, but it, like uh, it kind of terrifies me. Yet I am curious as to like who the werewolf would be, yeah. you know. With with the kind of right lean John Steinbeck has, yeah. Like who would be the werewolf? Would would who would be the werewolf? Probably one of them Mexicans. That's kind of what I'm afraid of. Yeah, yeah. I get it out there. Get it out there. You, it, 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 the further we go back, the more racist shit just gets. Yeah. You, you just mentioned the original title of Ten Little Indians. Like, I'm not friggin' surprised. And then there were none. And then there were none. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's where Bosco came from, from the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Agatha Christie's novel, and then there were none, was a new title that they gave to replace the title Ten Little Indians, which wasn't even the title. Originally, it was Ten Little N-Words, but they said, oh, we can't have a book with Ten Little N-Words. Let's change that to Ten Little Indians. It'll be fine to make fun of the Indians. So... And then there were none is a title to replace a racist title, which was given to replace an even racist year title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like that's racismception. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. What I'm saying is America should be allowed to read John Steinbeck's unpublished werewolf novel. Yeah. Murder at full moon. How many other Nobel Prize winner, Pulitzer Prize winners wrote a pulpy werewolf novel? We need to read this for ourselves. Yeah. And the, is the it any is it any good? Oh, you know, see, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's horrible. That would make it better. 
<laughs> you know, take Steinbeck down a few pegs. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm shooting for. I mean, because there are certainly people around about the area who could have probably written a really good werewolf story like uh, Lovecraft or Poe. Yeah. You know, kind of a jump in years there, but just off yeah. the top of my head. But anyway, yeah, John Steinbeck wrote a werewolf novel, and I usually end most uh, Steve's historic approximations with this, but I'm kind of surprised that people don't know more about this. So go out there, head to the streets, and demand that they release John Steinbeck's werewolf novel, Murder at Full Moon. Hopefully one day we will live long enough to, to, to be reading Murder at Full Moon in the theater before we finally get to see the day the clown cried. Yes. That is the dream. Yes. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! We still have a double feature to get to. Goodfellas and the sequel to Goodfellas, which came out before Goodfellas, Steve Martin in My Blue Heaven. We also need to talk about ugh, uh, screenwriter Nora Ephraim, uh, Paul Williams, uh, the movie Kindergarten Cop, Elmo's World, Hogan's okay. Heroes, Sophie's Choice, Saw, Disneyland. We have a lot to talk about. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Shouldn't we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pobon film after this. Do, 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 do. Do 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 do